0: Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful to be in your house this evening. As we sing your praises. Father, we are so grateful for what you've done for us, sending your son to die for us. And as he conquered death and rose again, so that we can have a relationship with a living, breathing God. We thank you for that. Father, as we prepare our hearts through this season, Father, I pray that you can evict us in various ways that we have are failing, our weaknesses that we might have, sins that we've been committing, things that have kept us from you, Father. I pray that we are able to confess those things to you during this time, the season of Lent, the season of preparation, of confession. And Father, I pray that you as we confess those sins to you, Father, we thank you for the fact that you are faithful and just and you forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We thank you for that. We give you all the praise and glory. I pray that you speak to us during this season as well as we prepare for this spiritual battle that we are in. Father, I pray that we are not just hearers of the word, but we will be doers of it as well. We thank you for this church and what you're doing here. I pray that you continue to guide and direct us in all things, and I ask all this in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. Well, it is wonderful to be here on Ash Wednesday. To be able to observe Ash Wednesday. You know, as Pastor Jamie already alluded to, Ash Wednesday is really is the mirrors the forty days that Christ was in the desert being tempted. That's why we read the temptation of Christ. And it's always 40 days before Easter. You'll note that it's actually 46 days before Easter. Some have asked, why is it 46 days before Easter and not 40? Well, you have to understand that Sunday is usually suspended uh, suspended from abstaining and fasting. Because that's the time on Sundays that we celebrate and commemorate Christ's resurrection. So you add those extra six Sundays in and thus you get 46 days leading up to Easter. That's why we have 46 days. It starts on a Wednesday. And as we mentioned, it's really a time of self-examination, confession, repentance, and prayer as we look forward to Easter. You'll note that traditionally, folks will put ashes on their forehead as a sign of repentance. You know, ashes were used many different times in the Old Testament as a sign of repentance and confession. You'll note in Jeremiah 6.26, it says, Put on sackcloth, my people. And roll in ashes, mourn with bitter wailing as for only for an only son. For suddenly the destroyer will come upon us. And Daniel nine three it says, "So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with Him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes." What the tradition is with ashes is you would traditionally burn the palm branches of last year's Palm Sunday, and you would use those palm ashes and put it on your forehead. It's interesting that the palms were used as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, a triumphant entry entry into Jerusalem. Thus, the palm branches show that we have victory. Victory over death, as Christ did. That's why the palm branches were used as a sign of victory. And traditionally, a priest or minister would put Ashes on the forehead and say the words repent and believe in the gospel or remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. And that is taken from when Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden. So that's what Ash Wednesday is. It's really a time of prayer, of repentance, of confession as we lead up to Easter. You know, as you look at the common prayer, the book of common prayer, it says, dear people of God, the first Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection. And it became the custom of the church to prepare them by a season of penance and fasting. The season of Lent provides a time in which those converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when those who became of notorious sins had been separated from the body of the faithful were reconciled by penance and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. Thereby, the whole congregation was put in the mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior and of the need which all Christians continually have to renew their repentance and faith. I invite you, as it says in the book, therefore, in the name of the church, to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance. So that's what we do during our time of Easter, during our time of Lent. That's why many people will choose to give up something and abstain from something. Most people don't understand why you would even abstain from something. But when you do a fast, the idea of doing a fast is every time you're hungry, you pray. You dwell you reflect on what God's doing. And that's why we abstain from various things. You know, it's interesting. As we, do our, as we think about temptation, as we think about spiritual warfare, you know, we as Christians know that we're going to be attacked. We're going to be tempted in various ways. Just as Christ was tempted in the garden. And as many of you know, the more ministry you do, the more as you grow as a Christian, temptations and attacks don't get any easier, do they? They get stronger. And we know that Satan will attack us or tempt us in various ways. And then as we master those areas, he then tempts us in other ways. And it keeps coming, it keeps moving, it keeps rolling. That's why during this time, it's fitting that we look at spiritual warfare, and you'll note on your service sheets, if you have your service sheets, when you came in, this, it says spiritual warfare. That's what we're going to be looking at over the next six weeks, seven weeks as we prepare for Lent. And you'll notice in the back on page seven, if you turn to page seven of the service sheet, you'll notice all our Wednesday evening, that we're, all our Wednesday evenings that we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And you'll note there, what an awesome lineup of special speakers that are coming in. Who are going to be sharing their heart on the various aspects of spiritual warfare as we look at Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be having soup supper starting next Wednesday at 5.30. And then at 6.30 we're going to have a time of lecture series. We're going to have some time of music over in Wilson Hall. We would encourage you to come out for that. Because it's going to be a powerful time as these folks share their heart on how to deal with spiritual warfare. You know, we all deal with spiritual warfare. We're all getting attacked and tempted in various ways. And we all will continue to be attacked and tempted in various ways until the end of our lives. And so this is a way, as we prepare to resist that temptation, as Christ did in the desert, so can we. This is our spiritual warfare. We are at war. And this series is going to be a powerful series as we prepare ourselves uh, to battle temptation. You know, one of the blessings we have as Christ was being tempted, you know, it says that he was tempted in all ways, but he's able to emphasize with us. It says in Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You know, many of us feel very lonely during this time as we reflect on our own sin, feel so far away. We feel... We feel lonely. We feel alone. What the encouragement here is that Christ is able to emphasize with us some of the temptations that we go through. Why? Because he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So he overcame temptation. So can we. That's what's amazing about it. And scripture really points to that. Shows us how to do that. How to combat the spiritual warfare going on around around us, the temptation. I want to encourage you to turn there in your service sheets. We're going to be looking at this passage um, on page 6 of your service sheets over the next number of weeks. So you're going to hear it repeated a number of times. But in here, the scripture really points out. How we can stand up to temptation. How we, can vi- how, we can, how we can combat the spiritual forces in our world as we, as we strive to live a, a life of righteousness. It says in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, allow me to read it. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. With a breastplate of righteousness in place. that whenever i open my mouth words may be given me so that i will be fearlessly i will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador in chains pray that i may declare it fearlessly as i should we're going to be looking at that passage over the next number of weeks looking at the individual things the equipment that we are to put on as we battle temptation As we battle the spiritual forces around us. You know, as a way of introduction, before we look at the the specifics of the equipment we are to use, we see here in the first number of verses that we are really giving a number of things here as a way of preparation before we are to put on the full armor of God. The battle preparation, the battle plan, and the battle equipment. How do we prepare ourselves? The battle preparation. How do we prepare ourselves? If we know we're going to be attacked... If we know we're going to be tempted in various ways, and that temptation can come in various ways, whether, uh, whether it's addictions, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's the temptation to, to live the way we want to do, to live the way we want to do, to glorify uh, our bodies. Temptation comes all around us. We have to prepare correctly. Verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power the battle preparation, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, as an athlete prepares for any game, I remember preparing for games as a a kid growing up. I was a soccer player, and I always remember our coach preparing us before the game. And he would always say to us, "Uh, "It's you need to be emotionally in the game. It's not about the physical attributes. It's about emotionally being prepared as you enter this game. You are physically fit. Emotionally now, you need to be ready. As Christians, we need to be ready as well. We need to be prepared. Well, you may say, well, what does an unprepared Christian look like? What is something that's not prepared for the temptation? What does that actually look like? Well, let me encourage you. The unprepared believer is one who they believe... Can overcome temptation on their own. They seek strength in their own lives, their own intentions. It says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power." You know, many people will think that you know I can conquer this thing on my own. I can get through this area of my life. I can get through this weakness on my own power. Giving you an example, I met somebody in my office this, uh, about a week or so ago who was battling an addiction. Battling an addiction. Battling it his whole life. And he said, Jared, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to set up blockers every way I can. I'm going to accountability. I have a accountability partner. I go to two self-help groups. I go see another Christian counselor. I'm doing all of these things in my life, yet I'm still battling the addiction in my life. Why? I said, well, you're doing some great things there. You're setting up a lot of things in your life to battle that addiction. You're meeting with people. You're going to some self-help groups. You're reading a lot of self-help books. That is terrific. But you're you're trying to find your strength in your own self. That's the problem. You're trying to find it on your own terms, how I can conquer this, what I could read, where I can go, what I can do, the blockers I can set up. Yet you're not finding the strength in the Lord Almighty. That's what an unprepared believer does. As we battle the temptation in our life, one thing we have to recognize is as we go in mentally, we have to understand we cannot fight this on our own. We need the strength of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The reality is it comes from him. That's why I love what it says in James 4. James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, he will come near to you. We have to submit to God's strength. Notice it says in that verse, if you go back to the, the verse 7 of that verse, it says, submit yourselves to then to God, resist the devil. Submit yourselves to God, then resist the devil. Wouldn't it be tragic if that was reversed? Wouldn't it be tragic if the scripture says, resist the devil, then submit yourselves to God? Tragic. Why? Because it would mean that we can do it all on our own. We have to submit ourselves to God and say, you know what, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't fight this battle myself. I need your help. Then we resist the devil. Then he will flee. Come near to God, and then he will come near to you. Not vice versa. It's powerful. You know, and it's not just temptation from addictions. We're all dealing with various things. Some doubt in life, fear of the future. Financially, some of us battle anxieties. Fears over our children or our marriage. Lust, greed, Depression, disappointment, envy, anger, guilt, grudges, all different stuff. But the Lord's strength is always sufficient. Philippians 4.13, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not the amount of strength that we have. It's the source of it. Say that again. It's not the amount of strength that we have. It's the source of it. It's not the amount of books that we have, the amount of accountability partners we have, the amount that we're doing, it's the source of it. All comes through God. I can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You know what's powerful is that ultimately our battle with Satan, our battle with temptation in life is already won. Satan was already defeated with Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. Christian is strong in the Lord, his victory over the worst that Satan has ever offered. So we are at war. But the joy is that we don't have to be afraid because the victory is already won. So that's the battle preparation. What's the battle plan? What's the battle plan? You know, as a coach, I always remember him talking about the game that we were about to play. He would always talk about the team that we were about to play. If you watch any news conference of any coach talking about the game that they're they're about to play, they always talk about the team that they're going to play. And any time a news person would say, well, what do you think about next week? The coach would always say, we're not focusing on next week, we're focusing on this week, Right? We've got to focus on this week. Next week, we'll talk about who we're fighting. This week, we got to, to talk about who we're fighting this week. So what's the battle plan? We have to know who we're fighting in all this as well. We have to know who we're actually fighting against. That's the battle plan. Look at verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. We have to remember that the, that the enemy is the devil. The enemy is not your car that's broken down. The enemy is not the job that you need. The enemy is not your own body craving something. The enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not your children. The enemy is not the sickness. It's not any of that. The enemy is the devil. We gotta keep that in mind as we go into this battle. The devil's talked about many times throughout the scriptures. It's He's, talk, he's called the anointed cherub, the rulers of the demons, the rulers of the world, the god of war. Fifty-two times he's called Satan, which means adversary. Thirty-five times he's called devil, which means slanderer. He's a deceiver. Second Corinthians eleven three. But I am not afraid. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be somehow what led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. What is he doing? Leading us astray. Getting our focus off God, off our trust in Him, focusing on ourselves. That's the enemy. That's the deceiver. It says in verse 12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We see that there's different levels of spiritual warfare. And I always really wondered what that meant. How could there be different levels of spiritual warfare? But if you think about it, we're tempted in different ways, aren't we? He deceives people that acting and behaving a certain way, the way we want to do, will make us feel good. Will bring us joy in life. He also places the opposite. He'll place doubt in our minds. Fear in our minds. Anxiety in our minds. He causes confusion. Different levels of spiritual warfare. What he's doing is deceiving us. Deceiving us. Pushing ourselves to think that, you know what? God isn't here. God isn't with us. God's not here with us. God's not going to protect you through this. I always wondered why Satan would ever need our finances to be in ruin. Why would Satan ever need our marriages to be falling apart? Why would he need that? Why would he need our car to break down? Why would he need our child to go off and do their own thing? Why would he need the drugs in our life? Why? Because all those things pull us away from God. That's why he needs them. He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. He's the one we're fighting. So we understand... The preparation we need. We understand who we're fighting against. Now we have the battle equipment. It says in verse 13, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. You know, it's easy to think for us as Christians, especially in America, to come, become complacent about the battle around us. We really rejoice in the victories around here when there's no peace. Because we feel like it's an absent, you know, it's absence of conflict. And we look at our freedoms that we have here in America and think, boy, things are going well. We're not really getting attacked. We are able to come to church on a Nash Wednesday and sing praises freely, hear the word proclaimed. So we often become complacent. We think, no problems. We talk to people in other countries and the war is very, very obvious. We have to understand that we're going to be attacked now and until the day we die. What does the Bible say? The devil roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The powerful thing is, is that we can conquer that. As long as we understand who, where the strength is coming from. Not our strength. God's strength. So, as we conclude here this evening, we just touch on the introduction. The battle plan. The battle preparation. The battle equipment. The first piece of equipment is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. It says in verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You know, it's fitting that the belt of truth is first. After all this line of all these different uh, pieces of equipment that we can use, the belt of truth is first. Why? You have to understand the Roman soldiers, when they would have tunics similar to this, these tunics would have holes in the head and then armholes. But the rest of the tunic would be flopping around and they would put a belt around them as they prepared for battle. Citizens also had that with the robe. They would all wear robes. They would all wear robes, but when it was time for work, what they would do is they would put a belt around the robe and tuck in their robe so that they can get use their hands freely and the robe didn't get in the way. The belt of truth stands for the readiness that we have. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you ready to go into battle? Jesus said that in relation to his second coming, be dressed in readiness. We got to be ready. What do we have to be ready with? We have to be ready with the truth, the truth of God's word, the truth of what it says in God's word, his goodness, his love, his power, his mercy, his grace being sufficient. That's the truth. That's the truth. Oftentimes we'll we'll doubt that God's good to us or that God loves us or that his power is more sufficient than we will ever need, that his grace is all that we ever need, that his mercy is there. See, Satan will get in there and cause us to doubt. He even entices people to commit murder, suicide on themselves, because they have so much guilt in their life and they don't accept the truthfulness of the gospel. We have to understand that God's word is true. What it says in God's word is true. We have to be ready. That's why it's so imperative, important for us as we go through the season throughout our lives to make sure that we're in the word, to make sure we're studying the word, make sure we understand who God is, what it says about God and believe in those things. First Peter 5.6 is very similar to what it says in James. It says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober mind that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. I love what it says there. We've got to humble ourselves, as I already mentioned. we got to humble ourselves to God. We have to do that first before we cast our anxieties to Him. Why? Because if we cast what's going on in our life to Him, but we don't humble ourselves first, then we're not really casting our anxieties, are we? We're holding on to Him saying, you know what? I still am going to be fearful. I'm still going to doubt. I'm still going to struggle with all these things, God. But if we humble ourselves first, then we go, God, you know what? You're going to be in control. All I need is you. Your power is more sufficient than I'll ever need. You're going to be the one that gets me through this. Now I can cast. Now you can take them. And then the Bible says there, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Not you might stand firm in the faith, but you can stand firm in the faith. That's what's powerful. We can't. So when all these temptations come, we can stand firm in the faith. That's the belt of truth. So as we prepare Lent, as we enter into this time of confession, as we work on those areas of our life that have weaknesses, we need to remember the battle preparation, the Lord's strength, not ours. We need to remember the battle plan, who we're actually fighting against. And then we need to remember the battle equipment, the belt of truth. God's word is always true, sufficient for all that we ever need. This season is going to be a powerful season, church. It's going to be a tough season. It's going to be a tough season of Lent as we hear the word of God's truth proclaimed by these various speakers and preachers throughout the rest of the season. But I guarantee you it's going to be such a powerful time for our church as we grow, as we learn to fight the temptation in our own life, and as we battle the spiritual warfare around us. And with that, let me pray. God, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for the fact that you sent your son, and he has already conquered death. Father, so we have nothing to fear. Oh, Father, as we enter in this time of season, of Lent, Father, as we confess those areas of weakness in our own life, Lord, I pray that you help us battle that temptation in our own life, those areas of weakness, Father. Father, help us to remember that the palms that were burned were signs of victory. Father, we can have that same victory, and we are so grateful. So be with us in our season ahead. Be with us in the weeks ahead. Be with the special speakers and preachers that are coming in. I pray that you speak through them. Fill them up. And Father, once again, I ask that your, that we are not just hear of the, hearers of the word, but we will be doers of it as well. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you did in sending your son to die on the cross, Father. And we prepare our hearts now as we come to the communion table and remember that sacrifice. We thank you for this time in your name.